0: Gospel on this Tuesday, September the 1st, in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. Being a Rumination Tuesday, we have with us Pastor Mark Smith. And unfortunately, Mark, we were unable to uh, get the hymn to be played. So well,
1: that's, that's too bad.
0: Yes, my soul now prays your maker. Do you uh, ever use that? Uh, you know, I'm. I'm. I think I
1: know the melody, but I'm not absolutely sure. Um, I can't say we have, have used it a lot. There's. There's certain. It's a good hymn. You know, it's based on uh, what uh, Psalm 103.
0: Right. Very solid. It was a hymn done by Johann Graman, who was born in 1487. And it's considered the oldest Lutheran hymn of praise. Wow. It really comes a lot of the theology from Psalm 103, but he's following Martin Luther's theology of the cross that he presented in the Heidelberg Theses of 1518 about God's righteousness as the mercy and grace revealed in Christ's cross. Um. And Johann Grauman was the Grand Master of the Teutonic Knights, Albrecht of Prussia. And he was sent there on the advice of Martin Luther to seek ways to cultivate the new piety of the Wittenberg way of thinking. <clears throat> so, We've got some information on him that, um, as I said, the Greek word for Gramon is polyander. And along with Johann Briesman and Paul Sparatus, Luther referred to them as the three Prussian evangelists. In fact, He was appointed rector of the St. Thomas School in Leipzig, where Johann Sebastian Bach served two centuries later. Now, a lot of people don't realize this, but he was the secretary for the leading Roman Catholic theologian, Johann Eck.
1: Oh, wow. We've heard of him, that's for sure. Yes,
0: yes. There was a great big Leipzig disputation in 1519 between Eck, Luther, and Karlstadt. At that right. point, Karlstadt was agreeing with Luther. He changed one year later. But at any rate, uh, Grahman was present there. And after hearing what Luther had to say, he devoted himself to the cause of the Reformation left Leipzig in 1522, not only to join with Luther, but to attend Philip Melanchthon's lectures in Wittenberg. And on Luther's recommendation, he was sent to advance the Reformation in Prussia. He was particularly critical of the veneration of the saints, and he died in 15. 41. So he was well known. Now, you mentioned who was the translator?
1: Catherine Winkworth.
0: And we've already talked about her at length. She had done many translations into the English. The individual who is considered to be the one who had done the tune was Johann Guckelmann. He was born in 1495 was a court trumpeter and his duties included composing and preparing music for services as well as festivals and so he died in 1542 but his most important work was a collection of hymns arranged for choirs etc and it's considered a significant collection of early Lutheran choral music. So, we're all set now to take a look at the hymn. And if you be so kind as to read the first stanza.
1: Happy to do so. My soul now praise your maker. Let all within me bless his name, who makes your full partaker who makes you full partaker of mercies more than you dare claim. Forget him not whose meekness still bears with all your sin, who heals your every weakness, renews your life within, whose grace and care are endless and saved you through the past, who leaves no sufferer friendless, but writes the wronged at last.
0: We often run into a number of hymns that are almost the same as the Bible passage. For example, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's about three or four hymns like that. And it either says the words right from the Bible or it paraphrases them. As you discovered and I've been taking a look at it, what psalm is this kind of based on?
1: Uh, I would say Psalm
0: 103. Yes. In fact, the first stanza are the first verses of Psalm 103. The second stanza are the next six verses of Psalm 103. So what would you say about stanza one? Well, let's see. Uh,
1: bless his holy name. It, 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 you know, it's, it's very similar to that opening verse. Uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's right in line with him. And forgives all your iniquity, who heals, your, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Uh, so very similar to the, uh, to the hymn.
0: Yes. In, in fact, um, it's not only a hymn assigned for this Sunday, but also for one of the Epiphany Sundays. And that's kind of interesting that the same hymn is assigned for two different Sundays in the church year. My soul now praise your maker. What I find interesting here is we have a lot of people in the United States who, if you ask them, do you believe in God? They will say, yes, I do believe in God. But they never explain who that God is. This hymn specifies who God is.
1: Yeah, it sure does. That's for sure. And it's very it's, it's very Christocentric. Uh, still bears with all your sin, who heals your every weakness, renews your life within, whose grace and care are endless, and saved you through the past. Who leaves no sufferer friendless, but rights the wronged at last. That's, of course, yeah. talking about
0: Christ. E- exactly. And so this is a hymn that focuses on the true understanding of who God is. So a lot of times, like if I'm in Uber, driving people around or something, we get a conversation going, and they say, oh yeah, I believe in God. My first question is, how would you describe him? And then we see whether or not they're talking about the Christian God, or this general God, who is supposed to be so old man upstairs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Kind of Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And it gives you an opportunity then to pinpoint the true meaning of the God that we believe in, who is none other than Jesus Christ. Now, remember this comes from an old Testament reading, Psalm 103. And it kind of reminds you of Jesus with his disciples on the road to Emmaus, that they were always talking about who this God is.
1: Yeah, he's all through the scriptures. It doesn't matter whether you're talking about the book of Psalms, the book of Genesis. It's all about Christ.
0: Yes. He's the all Word right. made flesh. Stanza two, please. Okay. He offers all his treasure
1: of justice, truth, and righteousness— his love beyond all measure, his yearning pity or distress, nor treats us as we merit, but sets his anger by. The poor and contrite spirit finds his compassion nigh. And high is heaven above us as dawn from close of day, So far, since he has loved us, he puts our sins
0: away. See, that is the essence of the Christian faith. And in fact, there's an interesting line here, nor treats us as we merit. Right. In other words, as we deserve. That would be a God of justice. justice. Yes. But instead, he's a God of what? Grace and mercy. Yes. Uh, Explain those three.
1: Oh, you would put me on the spot. (laughs) Let's see. Grace is getting... Let's see. Grace... when When we receive grace, we receive what we do not deserve.
0: Yes. Forgiveness of sins.
1: Right. When we receive mercy, we don't get what we deserve
0: excellent and what would justice be
1: justice is <laughs> that would be uh, let me tell you i'd much rather have a god of mercy and grace than justice because justice is uh that's what you know that's when we uh you know w- w- there's no there's no way out because we all deserve uh punishment
0: yeah justice using the other two is we get what we deserve, right? And that's what that text says there. Nor treats us as we merit. Every religion in the world thinks that you merit your way into heaven. You earn your way into heaven, right?
1: Right. You get following. what you. You get what you. Uh, you get what you've earned, right?
0: You've earned. And how do they think they earn heaven?
1: Oh, by by being good. Yeah. By, you know, by making pilgrimages, by uh, perhaps by uh, afflicting themselves, whipping themselves.
0: Yeah, I was just reading a so-called scholar. He has a high IQ and he says that people don't realize what they're saying when they say, I believe in God. Because if you believe in God, it's like your wife. If you believe she's your wife, then you will do good things for her. You will not cheat on her, etc. But the fact of the matter is, everybody cheats on God. Everybody takes a look at what is in their self interest. And so that's why he says people shouldn't say, I believe in God, because they don't. Now, where is he making the problem?
1: Where's he? Well, he's 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 ignoring grace.
0: He's ignoring mercy. Yes, he has the wrong God in mind, and 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 that's what naturally living under the law. Yes, he's living under the law. Yeah, I'm starting an adult instruction class at one of the congregations, and I have a whole sheet of living under the law. What that means. It means that you're living under a false notion that how you behave according to the law makes the difference as to whether or not you go to heaven or hell. And that's really bad. So this second stanza is not rewarding sinners as their sins deserve, but God lays aside his anger how does he do that?
1: Well, Christ t- took all the answer uh, Christ took all the anger on the cross. He exactly. Took, he took all the anger and the justice that we deserved. And so and so when God looks at us, he sees Christ's righteousness covering
0: us. Exactly, as Jesus' first word from the cross recorded, most people would agree with My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yes. And he forsook Jesus because he had our sins on him. And that's why he will never forsake us. Because from God the Father's point of view, the payment for sins was taken care of by Jesus. It
1: It is finished.
0: That's right. Stanza three.
1: For as a tender father has pity on his children here, God in his arms will gather all who, are his, all who are his in childlike fear. He knows how frail our powers who but from dust are made. We flourish like the flowers, and even so we fade. The wind but through them passes, and all their bloom is o'er. We wither like the grasses. Our place knows us no more.
0: Yes. Now, even though this is based on 103, you know, one of the things I would like to do is go through all the hymns and point out Bible verses so that when you're trying to do a sermon, you can look that up and know what Bible verses are found in which hymns to use for sermons, etc. There's a passage that this stanza three also uses, which is really important. Who, f- but from dust are made? We flourish like the flowers, even even so we fade. That's from First Peter, chapter one, verses 24 and 25 where God depicts human creatures as grass that produces flowers but quickly wither in a hot wind.
1: Yeah, it, 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 it also mirrors what uh, Psalm 103 verse 15 says, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. I bet yeah, the writer. What's I bet the writer of that New Testament passage was thinking of uh, Psalm 103.
0: In, in fact, um, the writer of all the New Testament passages, the apostles, etc., were always looking back to the Old Testament because they finally realized, as Jesus told the Emmaus disciples, that He was fulfilling all the prophecies of the old Testament. Remember, uh, the question, John, the baptizer disciples asked Jesus, are you really the one we're looking for? And what was his answer? Uh, about the lame, the blind. Oh, uh, well,
1: he, he said, uh, one will come after me. Uh, whose thong I am not even worthy to to untie.
0: Remember that? No, that was John the Baptizer. Yeah, John the Baptizer. I'm saying, what did Jesus say to the disciples of John the Baptizer to show that he was a fulfillment of the coming of the Messiah? Oh,
1: he said, um, go and tell John what you see and hear, the lame walk, the blind see, uh, And the poor have the gospel preached unto them.
0: The deaf hear, and the mute speak, and the dead are raised. Now, those are all quotations, many of them from Isaiah and elsewhere in the Bible. So, in other words, Jesus was teaching that the Old Testament verses are definitely being fulfilled by him as the Messiah. That's right. Yeah, and really John knew.
1: John, when he heard that, that's all he needed to hear. John the Baptist.
0: Yeah, there's a passage where Jesus sends out uh, his disciples two by two. And I hadn't really realized that. But in studying that, uh, another individual came up. There's another time that God does two by two. Do you remember what that is?
1: Well, there's... There's one time when he sends out just his immediate disciples, and there's one time he sends out, the the, what, 32? uh,
2: Well, no, the
0: two-by-two I'm talking about. He does send two to the Passover. He also sends two to get the donkey. But I'm talking about in the Old Testament, there's a two-by-two.
1: Animals into the ark
0: exactly okay isn't that interesting so the animals are all representing the entire world of animals and that's what jesus does with his disciples he sends them out two by two because in deuteronomy by the way it says don't listen unless there are two witnesses and so jesus keeps that in mind also all righty stanza four please okay okay
1: His grace remains forever, and children's children yet shall prove that God forsakes them never, who in true fear shall seek his love. In heaven is fixed his dwelling, his rule is over all. O hosts with might excelling, with praise before him fall. Praise him forever reigning, all you who hear his word our life, and all sustaining, my soul, oh, praise the Lord.
0: Yeah, what you have here in stanza four is not only a continuation of Psalm 103, but there is no difference between hearing his word, which you just read, all you who hear his word, and receiving grace. In other words, the word of God does not instruct us what we are to do to receive grace. But by hearing the word of God, we receive that grace. That's right. It is grace. Yes. Yeah, it's a means of grace. And that's why we baptize infants, because the infants don't know how to respond at all to this. But they don't need to. Because God is giving them a gift.
1: Yeah, it's a washing of
0: regeneration and a renewing of the Holy Spirit. Right. And so we're to thank God, the true God, for what He does. He never forsakes us. So, what do you do with a member of your congregation who believes that God has forsaken him or her? How would you. Comfort them
1: I would say uh, absolutely not, God has not moved if you feel that god if you feel distant from god it's it's you that has moved, but god is God is still with you he's He's never left you. in fact, he tells us uh, i I will never leave you, I will never forsake you
0: well said that's a promise, and so therefore. As a Christian, the God we believe in, we have confidence in him, not because of our sight, but through faith in believing his promises.
1: That's right, his word, his prom- His word and pr- and promises, right?
0: It's really, you, you can understand how this Johann Grahman was really listening to Luther and hearing the teaching of Melanchthon. That we are saved by grace, through faith, not on account of our works, lest anyone should boast. That's right. So, we'll be using this in our worship services this week. My soul now praise your maker. Was there anything else out of 103 that you saw that you want to say anything about?
1: Let me think. There is one thing that I noticed that he mentions: Um, your your youth is renewed like the eagles. Yes, Uh, that's that's not part of the hymn, but it's. um, He talks about healing all the diseases too. Yes, and that's a you know, boy. I tell you, we can sure use that type of help these days, can't we, Tom?
0: Absolutely. Well said. So we thank Pastor Mark Smith, myself, Tom Baker, for doing this. Tomorrow we're going to be continuing with C.F.W. Walther's Theses on Law and Gospel. And you'll see that they're very close to this hymn.